Hello, Billy Reeves here. Welcome to the K-Scope podcast. I trust and hope you're well. In this episode, new music from Jonathan Hull 10. More from Gaspacho's new album, Fireworker. Some white moth, a black butterfly news, and also some news from the Pineapple Thief camp. Plus, a chat with the hippest musician in Britain right now, Catherine Ann Davis, professionally known as The Anchoress. The album that sat atop at number one on the iTunes chart on the week of release. This is the title track. The Art of Losing.
Icarus, The Art of Losing. Number one on the UK iTunes chart, number five in the UK independent chart, number seven in the UK vinyl sales chart. Raves everywhere, as you'd expect in the music press, but also in every single quality daily newspaper in the UK. National Press and BBC Radio interviews as well. An LP that really captured the zeitgeist by essentially inventing its own. It's been a while coming, though. Why? Yeah, it's been a gift in a way, though it's been frustrating at times. Um, it's served me quite well because, you know, getting a bit of distance from the events and things that have gone, it means I can talk about it and I'm not kind of saying, oh, do you mind if we stop the interview for a minute because I just need to pull myself together or whatever. Um, you know, I've had a lot of a lot of trauma therapy and a lot of really great help from the NHS and stuff. So um, I look back at it now and think that, it's it's served me i think much better than perhaps my original intentions to just get it out and get rid why the art of losing so the the line the art of losing is is the opening line from a poem by elizabeth bishop who was an american poet who's writing in the 50s and 60s you know around the same time that sylvia plath and robert lowell and all and sexton you know all the really well-known confessional poets were but what she was doing was something really different um so she was a, a lesbian in a time where obviously it was was not okay to be that. So she was very good at kind of occluding her autobiography and her work whilst at the same time kind of letting it seep through in unexpected ways. And she has this poem called One Art um, that kind of explores the idea that we as human beings can get better at loss and at grief, etc. We try and impose meaning on it because we're always looking for meaning in, in the things around us. So I think my impulse was to try and find some meaning in it. I think ultimately I came out the other side of it, realising that there was no organising principle to the, uh, the my unfair amount of um, shit that was delivered to me in the preceding years. But, um, you know, at, at, at a point in my journey, that was my preoccupation, trying to make sense of it all, trying to see whether it was something I could, perhaps I was, you know, continually encountering baby loss because I was supposed to learn something from this. That I was supposed to get better at dealing with it each time. I was supposed to approach it a different way. Um, and so this poem, The Art of Losing Isn't Hard to Master, is about revisiting all these various losses from lost keys to lost houses to lost lovers and she kind of tries to just equate them all on the same level obviously the irony being the killer last line of the poem although it may look like write it disaster it's about that kind of impulse as writers i guess not to want to admit that we are facing something that is unimaginable and unmanageable as well i mean the whole project of the album was a kind of ideological existential question i think you know a lot of people reacted to the record that have heard it kind of saying how surprised they are about how it's not emotionally grueling and it's not you know from the write-up you're thinking oh my god it's going to make me feel bad to listen to this but i'm much more influenced by records such as you know the manic street preachers holy bible that's more of a kind of an intellectual probing of these dark issues i think that's a really different artistic endeavor and i wasn't interested in just spewing up on the pages of the book you see on the front cover because that's that's not what you're getting I'm I'm, you know even from the debut album of the anchoress I quite plainly said I'm not interested in confessions I'm more interested in the fictive and I think how that's developed on the second album is my interest in probing these really dark and challenging themes 
and their kind of broader universal resonance. It, it's not about me. There's a, there's a there's a certain commerciality to the songs that you chose as the singles. Um, Show Your Face and the title track are very six music and I did wonder if that was deliberate because a lot of the rest of it I just wondered if you if you're if you've heard those tracks and then you hear the stuff that's you know that's piano based and has got the string quartet on all the rest of it you're still doing stuff that you did before mm-hmm. uh, perhaps a little bit more pastoral uh, obviously I made radio edit versions of them but you know it was really the, the radio plugger's decision what he was going to take to to radio and I have a great team that that make those decisions for me obviously I'd be a fool to not want to continue to have the support of six music well Um, it's worked isn't it because you have had the support of six music yeah I mean show your face was on the playlist for four weeks which is practically unheard of if you look at it as a kind of commercial endeavor or as a kind of it's about spreading the word isn't it and ultimately I would be um being disingenuous to say you know as a musician you don't want a maximum number of people to hear what you do. No, it would be it would be it would be a bourgeois indulgence. I think there's a there's a there's a real thin line between commerciality and art when it comes to music. Yeah, and obviously for, for me it's twofold. One, it's about the the artistic challenge of writing something that can translate to to you know a larger number of people. But also, especially at the moment, I could not have foreseen this that having made a record about loss, I would be potentially connecting with all those people who have lost and how as a society we're being forced to confront our own mortality on a daily basis in a way that I don't think I think that's unprecedented for our kind of modern civilization. So inevitably of course we've got to move on to uh, James Dean Bradfield and getting him involved uh, which is also a fantastic uh, commercial decision but also an amazing bloke I met him once and I, I he liked him enormously because I was um, I was quite nervous about meeting him, and I liked him hugely. What's he like? Exactly as you would want him to be. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I spent a good deal of time with the Mannix, all of them, um, but James especially. Um, I would would say I've you know had the most kind of twos and fro's with. You know, obviously, I recorded on their last album, Resistance is Futile. I recorded the duet Dylan and Caitlin for them. And I guess the exchange that he appears on 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 this record, um, the duet that we sing together, is a bit of an extension of that. Actually, it equally explores the idea of a toxic dynamic and a toxic relationship, um, and and so it, it's almost like a kind of pairing with Dylan and Caitlin. Although theirs is more obviously explicitly fiction fiction well not fictionalized but it's based upon you know particular people um but it, you know it's amazing to have james on the record even though i've i've come to know them so well it was not a given that he would say yes um and there's a and there's a big difference i think between you know playing live with them and recording with them and then having your childhood hero and i i don't overplay that sing your song that you wrote there's a certain unique pressure on them and groups like them i mean there's not very many groups like them but to when i say there's groups like them to which they are a lot of people's favorite group and i think that's you know there's a whole gen- essentially a whole generation of people for whom they are their favorite group that they mean an, an absolutely huge amount as far as you know finding a place in the world is concerned and i think but the pressure that must come with that See, I, I've never got that sense from them. They just kind of effortlessly inhabit it because 
they're not faking it it's so hard to explain everything they do is so genuine they genuinely love these books they reference and the things they're interested in they talk about in their music it's all just what you see is what you get when everyone's replaceable no you're not responsible you're not to blame or part of the exchange all the things I can't control so you find yourself alone and now your faith in possession is just this week's new obsession there's much to gain it's part of the exchange so it comes as no surprise not just how to compromise so now it seems you can't
I have actually finally made an album that makes sense to come out on K-Scope. I think a lot of people were quite surprised that Confessions of a Romance Novelist found its home there. And I feel confident that people will listen to The Art of Losing and understand my version of art rock prog that's in that kind of lineage of Kate Bush and Peter Gabriel. And though I think it'll make a lot more sense now um, why I'm, I am part of the kind of K-Scope family. <laughs> What's the future, you know, post-pandemic for the music industry? Are you going to be able to play it live? Where do you... Where do you see the future of uh, the recorded and live music industry? Well, we have a show booked in at the Queen Elizabeth Hall. I anticipate that probably being moved. Um, And I would rather it was in a way because I'd rather do it properly um, and safely. Um, But, you know, I'm really lucky. I have a home studio. I'm able to keep working. I'm producing and co-writing with other artists remotely. We live in such a remarkable age where you can do that. Um, and I think I, you know, as the anchoress, I've always worked in that very kind of hermit-like existence. So for me, it hasn't been a huge shock to the system. When we come to issues such as how Brexit's going to impact the industry, how the lack of touring with the pandemic is going to impact the industry, I think it's going to be a really tough few years. I have concerns about how that impacts our kind of diversity in terms of socioeconomic background as well as other forms of diversity I'm hugely worried but equally I'm hugely hopeful that lots of people are worried and being very vocal about it we need to make sure that the people negotiating for us actually understand what grassroots venues are um, understand how records are made and licensed etc they understand export import in terms of people running a band camp for instance when you have a government that is run by and elites that come from a very privileged, narrow background that have uh, whose idea of culture is not what your idea of culture is and my idea of culture. Of course, we're going to be in this mess. Of course, they forgot to think about the 5.8 billion that the music industry brings in to the UK each year. Um, I'm not surprised, sadly. I'm angry. But I do also understand that a lot of people get into music as a form of escapism and they just like playing guitar or they just play like playing the drums. And you know that means that maybe that's why there aren't so many artists um piping up because they they literally aren't aware of the impact um i am liking the re-energizing of political consciousness in a whole generation of people we need to start teaching critical thinking at school again not accepting what you're told as, as a given it's nice to have a political conversation i've had quite a few of them um recently
The Anchoress, that is entitled Unravel. Before that, you heard The Exchange featuring James Dean Bradfield from the Manic Street Preachers. Before that, the title track. And there are a handful of gold vinyl copies left. My thanks to Catherine Ann Davis. Gaspacho, the brand new video for Clockwork, is up now. Uh, produced and animated by the brilliant Miles Scarin of Crystal Spotlight. She died the day of memorial while the train was apart. Close to midnight, the only passenger. The clockwork uranium factories and the time From the new Gaspacho LP Fireworker, that is entitled Clockwork, the promo film of which the band hopes is, quote, 
an exquisite treasure of a video as you deserve a boost after the long winter, unquote. Yeah, fair enough. Thanks, lads. Jonathan Holten, the Swedish Grammy award-winning singer, songwriter and guitarist, has a new video up on the K-Scope website right now. A performance video this time, a minimalist reworking of living. Quiet suspension I'm spending my days Like a bird in a cage Waiting to break out Sometimes I've tasted freedom Like it is, like it sounds Round and round and makes me leave the ground. I am living in quiet suspension. I am spending my days in the name of a dream. I lock myself away. Sometimes I've tasted madness Like it is, like it sounds And in those frightening moments I find all that I need Can you feel it? I feel it As it flies round and round And makes me leave the ground I am
Jonathan Hultember, the new version of the song Living. Check out his beautiful debut LP, Chance from Another Place. Now, you may have seen on Daniel Tompkins's socials that there's going to be a new album from the award-winning quartet White Moth, A Black, A Butterfly. In May, the lineup of Daniel Tompkins of Tesseract, his neighbour Jordan Bethany, also on vocals, Keshav Dar of Sky Harbour on guitars, Randy Slaw, the orchestrator, his work with Periphery, Devin Townsend, Tesseract and so forth. Here is a 90-second teaser. butterfly teaser for the new lp which will be entitled the cost of dreaming which is available to pre-order now and is released on the 21st of may also coming up imminently the new k-scope 2lp vinyl edition of marillion's acclaimed 2007 album marbles and on the 30th of april osric tentacles vitamin enhanced a six disc earbook reissue and on the 16th of april the pineapple thief uh, released the earbook of the sword sessions so to celebrate that let's end this a podcast with the latest single to be clipped from the sword sessions volumes one to four you can see this on the kscope youtube channel this is the one you left to die see ya
Searching for the one you left to die. 